is Upbeat with beatboxer, musician, speaker, and show host, Parker K. Hey, welcome to Upbeat, and thank you very much for being here and for listening in today or watching. If you're watching this on YouTube or on the website, parkercane.co, today's episode is incredible, and we are so fortunate to hear from and learn from none other than Beate Chalette. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to have her here on Upbeat because her story is absolutely incredible. Her energy is incredible, and I know that through this episode, she's going to reach us and inspire us and motivate us to do better and be better. So very grateful to have her here, and I'm excited to get into this episode. A little bit about Beate. She is a first-generation immigrant who found herself $135,000 in debt as a single parent. And personally, she has been through and survived multiple, multiple disasters, really. Um, and she's been able to get through that and through all those hard things, she was able to bootstrap her passion for photography and turn it into a highly successful global business that eventually she sold to Bill Gates in a multi-million dollar deal. So of course, that's amazing. And we're going to be talking about that in today's episode. But also we talk about some other things too, like Beate's five-star success blueprint, how to grow, build, and scale your business. Also we talk about, and this is my personal favorite part of the conversation, uh, we talk about what it means to fail your way to success and how we can use adversity to build resilience and ultimately make ourselves more successful through the adversity we've been through. So I love that part of the conversation, but really this whole episode is just absolutely amazing and jam-packed with value from Beate. So without further ado, let's get into it. Beate, thank you so much for joining me on Upbeat. I appreciate you being here. I am so excited. You are the first of your kind that I'm speaking to. So I can't wait. Are you going to beatbox somewhere in between? <laughs> yeah, I'll beatbox uh, at the end of the interview. I like to uh, beatbox uh, the guests' names. And that's always kind of a fun part. Uh, but we're definitely going to get to that. But I want to make sure we get to know you and share your story with the listeners. Um, and I actually really love starting with stories. So if you don't mind just giving us like a two minute or so blurb of what your story is, who you are, um, why you do the things that you do. All right. So my story is really the unruly child that felt that I had a bigger purpose in life and I was here to make a big impact, which as you can imagine, coming from conservative Germany wasn't going over so well as I was growing up. And really a story of um, leaving my, my home country, coming to America and figuring out how I was gonna crack the code. And as I'm cracking away, I ended up making a lot of really good, terrible decisions that brought me to $135,000 in debt as a single mom, completely broke uh, with a, a business that had just completely fallen apart in a decade of bad luck. And I had to figure out how to crack the code. And when I did, I was able to build and sell a business to no other than Bill Gates, making me a multi-millionaire. And then since I've really taken the ideas and the lessons that I have learned and turned them into a practical strategic blueprints and insights to help other people to make their impact and figure out what the heck did they come here for to do and how do they do this and be successful. 
Wow, yeah, that's so, that's a really cool uh, breakdown, and you did a really good job at that, by the way. There's so much in there that we could probably go on forever about, and you were able to package that very well. So <laughs> good job. Um, no, I'm excited to get into that. So what was it like moving to the United States and then, I guess, like you said, trying to crack the code there and, you know, being a single mom and accruing all that debt, like... What were some of the disastrous things going on for you at that time? Well, so number one, I was um, 23 when I left Germany. So obviously I'm not 23 anymore, not even in the vicinity of it. My daughter is 29. So that gives you kind of an idea. So I want you to like look at me as sort of the, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg of business, right? So <laughs> I'll give you the no bullshit shortcuts and um, we, don't, we don't mess around with how to get there. and. What it's like, well, I think your audience will probably relate to this really well. It's like you just have that fire, right? There's some, some burning inside. And it's almost nonspecific. Like, it's just there. And you go, what is it? What am I here to do? And then you go into a corporate job. And I was employed somewhere. And I liked it. But it was at somebody else's discretion. And then I got laid off because it was a big recession, not unlike what, you know, many, many of your listeners are probably experiencing. There's so many things in the market that are changing and that's just business. Business always changes that I was laid off and I had to figure out as a single mom, after I married a perfect person who had only two mistakes, he was a pathological liar and an alcoholic um, how to how to do all of this by myself. And I had felt that I made so many mistakes and I was constantly doubting that what I was doing was the right thing. And I was afraid of making a mistake and I was afraid of looking like an idiot. And I was afraid that, you know, my mother was right after all, that I was a big fat loser. And, and just trying to figure out who am I? What does it all mean? How do I make money? How do I feed my kid? How, do, how am I going to be a good mom? How do I find love? And I felt so overwhelmed by the complexity of the, these issues. They were all like major issues that you, you really have to come up with some sort of a structure or a system or self-awareness where you figure out what are you going to allow to drive you crazy and where do you draw the line and where do you make a decision and where do you find the courage to make that decision and how do you own that even if it's the wrong decision so it was very confusing very painful and uh a lot of it really didn't feel very good yeah and it's kind of when you're when it gets dark, you have to be the fire, right? You have to be the person to, to light things up again. And, uh, I'd imagine in those moments, well, I don't imagine like I've been there, you've been there, everyone's been there. It's easy to have that such negative self-talk and like just bring ourselves down. But at some point you got to make that switch where you control what's going to bother you and you control essentially how successful you're going to be and the kinds of decisions and actions you're going to, you're going to make moving forward. Um, and there, through all of that, there's this spot too, where 
you have kind of a cool story. I'm, I don't, I'm trying to figure out the timeline of this, but when exactly was it when you decided to write a letter to the president of the United States? <laughs> uh, that came uh, pretty much when we are now 10, we are, so we are now 10 years into disasters, you know, so I'm a oh, okay. eight-time eight eight time disaster survivor. And with disasters, I don't mean like little things, right? But I'm talking about fires, floods, earthquake, a tsunami, September 11th, a lawsuit. I mean, major, major life-changing stuff. And I'm sitting there and my former mother-in-law that I had stayed in touch with even after my divorce, uh, she just wouldn't shut up about it. She just kept going, you need to write a letter to the president of the United States. He's your president too. I mean, if the president can help you, then who will be able to help you? Why don't you write a letter to the president? And it's like Charlie Brown, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> I mean, the voice just constantly going. I wrote, literally, I wrote that letter because I wanted to have her stop bugging me about it. <laughs> and so I wrote the letter to the president. So she was happy and it was off my plates because, I mean, come on, who writes a letter to the president? Well, and then I get a letter from the White House. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I'm going like, this is ridiculous. And, you know, in looking back, the biggest nagger in my life ended up being the biggest blessing in disguise, right? And that's, I think, what you were talking about, you know, in the dark room, you need to be the fire is when we are so caught up in our own story, Parker, we don't even realize that the opportunity shows up and we choose not to take the opportunity because it looks like a challenge. And we go, well, anything that would help me right now would have to be easy, but that's not how spirit God, the universe even works. It works in a completely different way. It says, oh, you want that? Great. Here's how you have to do it. But you're going to have to do it naked over 25 uh, kilometers in 110 degrees and you got no water. But once you get there, you're good. And you're like, who, who does something so outrageous like that? And then when I got the letter from the White House, all it did is put me in the touch with the Small Business Administration, the SBA but with a deputy chief director, not with some underling, with a top dog. And when I was um, walking in his office, I was fully prepared with my business plan. I had done all the actions and, you know, and I was ready. I mean, it was, it was, I was about to go bankrupt. And what it did is they helped me find a bank to restructure my debt in a fixed 10-year loan that freed up my line of credit that brought me to break even three months later. So this is how close it was between complete and utter failure bankruptcy and making it three months. And then 18 months after my worst moment in my life, I am the world leader in my category. Talk about quantum leap. And that's when the Bill Gates company came and says, hey, can you tell us how you do it? And I said, like any decent woman would, if you want to know what I have, you need to pay for it. And they made me a multimillion dollar offer. 
And that was the plan I had set my business up for acquisition because I learned my lesson in the lawsuit that I would never again be so vulnerable. And, you know, and, and so I think what's important, you know, to unpack here for your audience, Parker, is to say, we are so caught up in believing that the path to get to our goal has to be like a treasure map, right? Where it's like perfectly outlined. You have no idea what the path is because the path is God's work, spirit's works, universe work. Because you are not in charge of how things interact and connect on the magic on how this all works together. You have control over two things, where you are and how you control where you are and see where you are at, either as opportunity or obstacle, and the outcome, where you want to be. With those two markers, it's like in the subway in New York, right? You go in the subway, you find the red dot. We are here. You know, you want to go to the Empire State Building. But there's like, what, six different ways to go there. And if you wanted, you could walk. So you need to leave that up to some other power. But you have to trust that once that is set, that the power of what regulates everything is working for you. But most of us then go and say, I never asked for being $135,000 in debt. That can't be right. It must be wrong. And we stop. And if we stop, then we get ourselves into this dreadful situation of retreating backward, not just one step, but 50 steps. Because if there's one thing, the energy that makes everything work, the life force doesn't like is if you start messing with this. Dang, lots of lessons within there. Um, I say this sometimes to the listeners, but I'd encourage you to almost rewind that and listen to that again, take notes because it's so so deep, so impactful, so important, really awesome insight. So thanks for sharing. Um, you know, you said something kind of at the beginning of the podcast. I'm trying to remember exactly how you said it now, but you said something like, um, I made a lot of good, bad decisions. And I don't know why that just like popped back in my head, probably because we need to talk about it. So I wanted to ask about um, what, what exactly you mean when you say that. Okay, so um, this is really the advantage of me being on the other side, right? So I made all the failures. I made the money. I can share the information. So now I'm at the point where I can look back at the path and I can dissect or share what all the markers were and why that mattered and why they were all really good very bad mistakes. Because when you're in it, especially when you're young, and again, you know, my daughter's 29 and I see how she struggles with the decision-making and how she's worried that she's making the wrong decision and that that wrong decision then is going to have a horrible consequence and that'll change the trajectory of her life forever. And then what if it was the wrong one? And what if she can't recover from that? And what if she doesn't make any money? And it's like this whole like, what if, what if, what if, what if? So when you come out on the other side and you look at your mistakes, 
Now you go and you say, that was a really good mistake because at least I made it complete and fully. Making really good, very bad mistakes means that you learn at one point that mistakes or perception of failure is really a road sign that comes and says, stop, not this way. But when you're in it, and especially when you're young and under 30, you look at this as a sign that you are a failure because that's where you are in your development because you don't have these massive, I mean, most don't have these massive successes to prove that they have a right to be here. Uh, you have half of the time, no clue what you're doing and uh, you, you know what you want, but you are not even halfway there. And so you're constantly questioning everything. But when you are looking back at this, and you take this moment and say, okay, so what's, what's the truth here? What's the reality of what really has happened? So I was a photographer. That helped me to understand working with photographers, which was the business that I sold. I was a good creative, but not a great creative, but I'm really good at the business side. So I'm a failure as a photographer. Well, I knew how to talk to creatives. I understand creativity but I'm better at the business side behind it, which ultimately led me to make all of them a ton of money and myself. I was, um, you know, I was a, a, a bad leader and I had an employee who betrayed me. Well, if I didn't have that, I would have never set up an equity-based business and set it up for acquisition because I learned my lesson the first time. So it was a really good, bad mistake to make because that led me to that. I had a photographer who betrayed me and uh, set up my business just without me. Well, when I went through the due diligence in a Bill Gates company that's designed for one and one thing only to make sure that nobody's coming after Bill Gates, I was prepared because I was in a lawsuit and I already had, had you know, had to put everything out on the plate for the lawsuit uh, in the due diligence, uh, you know, in the uncovery part of it on what I was, what my books were. I was, I was, I knew what that felt like. So it was nothing. So every piece of what I considered was a mistake was eventually nothing other than a building block of experience. If I would have known to take the judgment out, that allowed me to make these much larger, bigger jumps. And that isn't just a temporary piece, Parker. That's a lifelong, lifelong string of, of pearls, basically. So you can look at it and say, here we go again. Or you can say, ah, not going to judge that one quite yet. Don't know where it's going to come in handy. Just have to trust that it does. But obviously, this is not the way. You have your emotions, your feelings, you do your detachment, you are mad at yourself, and then you let it go. And it's nothing other than an experience because the, the emotion, the judgment, creates the emotion. 
So how do you know it's a good mistake or a bad mistake? How do you know that it's not saving you a lot of heartache, financial distress? What makes you think that you are in charge of understanding the larger plan? You don't. So that trust that once you set out to say, I fully step into that, I have a purpose in life, and I'm here as a visionary, as a leader to make an impact, and I'm going to take the first step, even though if I don't know what the second one is, and even if the first one was kind of like a little, but I believe that, that the steps will unfold to get me there. And I can tell you that because that's what happens. And I see it happening in my work where I work with business owners, help them map out these strategies and process maps and, and systems to get themselves to that point. I mean, and suddenly they're at six figures and suddenly they're from 60,000 to half a million in three years. How? It's the clarity of where they want to go and the non-judgment of the mistakes along the way. Well, that's, that's amazing. Thanks for sharing. Um, really just reminded me failing your way to success, which I know is a, a key topic that you share like a keynotes and, and other podcasts and stuff. So it's really cool to be on the other side of this interview right now and to be a listener of this podcast right now, to be able to learn from you, uh, some of the things that you, that you regularly go share with people to help help them uh, succeed. And I got thinking too, like you, you're mentioning failure, recognizing those, those signs and that there's kind of a bright side to it and there's a reason for it. It's almost like that's the same just for um, adversity in general or, or trial in general. Whenever something happens that is not what you expect, there's always kind of a reason for that, you know? And I, as you were sharing that, I was thinking, Well, I was like self-reflecting on my life, like all the times, all the things that have happened that I'm like, oh, like maybe it wasn't, maybe it wasn't because of that. Maybe it was because of this. Maybe I was protected from something that I don't know would have happened. Um, And I'd imagine a lot of the listeners are, are kind of having that self-reflection as well. And if not, they should be. Please. Yes. Now. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Be looking inward. Uh, It's cool to look at that. You know, maybe my parents, you know, getting divorced was, it kind of sucked, but it brought you to a certain place in your life where you needed to be, you know, whatever it is, there's always that kind of optimistic perspective or a negative perspective. And again, it comes to the self-talk and everything. Um, so thank you very much for sharing. Uh, that's really valuable insights. I love just the, the whole topic failure or failing your way to success um, and finding that clarity. Um, also just wanted to touch on something else you mentioned, which was with the president's letter, like you almost, like you didn't really want to even do it. You just did it to, to, uh, get her off your back, so to speak, for lack of better words. And, uh, it reminded me of my viral video. Um, this is a part of the story I don't share very often. Um, but my friend who recorded that video asked me, do you want this video? do you want to put it on YouTube? And I said, no, (laughs) I was like, this is trash. Like, why would anybody watch this? And I was in this, I was so wrapped up in my story. Like I, I wanted 
and my intentions. I wanted quality video. I wanted fully produced music videos. I didn't want some vertical, like 480p, low quality <laughs> uh, trash video of me beatboxing with a McDonald's cup. It wasn't relevant to anything in my opinion. So I said no. And he posted it and it went viral. And then he later gave me the video and I put it on my YouTube channel and stuff. But that was an opportunity that I didn't see. And I, I didn't care about, and I said no to, and it's cool to like, look at that later, like you said, and be like, oh, well now that it's gone viral, now that it's done all these things, like I can see that that was an opportunity. So moving forward, when things like that are presented to me, um, you know, you have that lesson learned and you can accept an opportunity easier and more readily. And so I just wanted to share that too. And hopefully it helps the listeners, you know, recognize some of the things that they've missed out on or maybe didn't see um, or new ways that they can view their failures or trials yeah. and how they can move forward. So that was a really cool kind of section of the podcast. Um, moving forward for this episode, I kind of want, I definitely want to dissect the five-star success blueprint that you have because I think it'll be helpful for the listeners, anyone trying to whether they're starting or just kind of trying to refine their businesses, um, I think it'd be really cool to, to go through some of that. So first of all, what is the five-star success blueprint you have? Excellent. Well, good. So I, I, I really loved what you just said. I think that's a, a phenomenal uh, unpacking of a takeaway to say, um, what are you not doing? What's the opportunities that you're missing? Because you're so bloody judgmental um, about, you know, wanting it to be your way. So listen to Parker, everyone. Okay. <laughs> he knows what he's talking about and make sure you, you listen to all of his podcasts, just saying. So a uh, five-star success blueprint with the idea of the five-star success blueprint, because I am as a consultant strategist, I built businesses nonstop. And I found that the questions are always the same, that people are confused, sort of what's the, the method? Like, how do I build it? Like, where do I start? What do I next? What do I do next? What do I do next? And then what? And how do I? And, you know, sometimes people start going to social media and they're spending money on ads, but then they don't know what they're really promoting because somebody told them that they need to do ads and go and find an internet marketer. And the internet marketer says, all you have to do is my system and my system is $10,000. And then when you do this one system, then you will enter the kingdom of, of the, you know, work only four hours a week, sit in an oversized sweater with a glass of Chardonnay in your kitchen and make your own videos and sell your own stuff. And I look at this, I'm going like, you are all insane. So I said, let's sit down and let's really talk about how to build a business. And I designed the five-star success blueprint. I'm going to take you all through this now. So in the five-star success blueprint, you always start with the idea. What is the idea? Why is it unique? Why is it original? Why would anyone, anyone want to buy it? Why are you the right one to sell it? And what is the problem that it solves? That's the first thing. If you don't have that, you do not get to get to step two because this is the fundamental piece. And for all of your listeners here, I am giving you a piece of this foundational piece for free, which is how do you figure out who your ideal client is? I call this the Airtight Avatar. All you have to do is go to airtightavatar.com. It's a download 
the guide. It's, it's like multiple choice. All you have to do is take a pen and literally mark it and fill in what applies to you and you will have your ideal customer profile or several of them. The second piece, once you have that, is the offer. Because now you know what this person or this avatar is going to buy. And only then will you do your offer based upon what this person needs and how their buying habits are. The third piece is once you know what it is, who you're selling to, what you're selling, now you need to create the system. Now you have your uh, customer relationship management, your pipelines, your funnels, your landing pages, your conversions, your ads, your clicks. What's the system in how you get this offer in front of the right buyers? Once you've done that, then you're going to have the next problem. Who is going to be doing it? Now you're building your team. So who is going to do the sales? Who is doing the conversions? Who is uh, optimizing? Who is doing the SEO? Who is doing the writing? Who is doing the graphics? Who is doing the, uh, who is going to be your VA? And you have to map out your whole organization or what this business is going to be looking like. And once you've done that, then your business is at a point where it's growing to such an extent where you have to switch out of business ownership into business leadership. Now we're going to be working with you as the leader. What do you want? What do you want this life of yours to look like? Are you selling? Are you setting it up for acquisition like I did? Is it a lifestyle business? Is it a family business? Is it what is it intended to provide for you? And then we design that along the way. And then you know, at that point, you probably start with the first piece again, because then you, it's time for you to launch your next idea, your next product. And you start again with number one, the idea, what is it going to do? Who is it going to go for? And you go through this again and again and again. And that's the five-star success blueprint. Oh my gosh. That was like a, that was like a two minute masterclass. <laughs> that's awesome. Thanks for sharing. And I would definitely uh, encourage everyone. I'm going to do it too. Um, I'm going to encourage everyone listening to go to the Airtight Avatar website, airtightavatar.com, right? Just yes. want to make sure. Um, definitely do that and get started and, and um, try to figure out who your ideal clients are and start with that first step of idea as well. And I think that's a good blueprint to get started. And obviously, there's lots of uh, content out there from Beate. Um, about how to do this. So I'd recommend to follow her too and, and keep up on that and it'll change, uh, change our businesses for the better. <laughs> so I'm excited. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I've built so many of these businesses. I mean, I can, by now I, I mean, tens and tens of thousands, uh, and you don't have to make all the mistakes yourself. You can learn from people who've actually done it. And then you decide what resonates with you. And that's where you start. And that's what you do. Love it. Um, well, and it reminds me of one of the questions I really wanted to ask you too. Um, I think there's a good spot for it, which is you've, it sounds weird to say this, but you've quote unquote made it, right? You're a millionaire. It's like, what, what keeps you doing this i'd imagine it stems from your desire to to want to help people but like what keeps you 
working so hard and doing these things for other people, um, even though you've quote unquote made it? Yes. So um, for anyone who's ever seen Star Wars, there's this <laughs> moment where Princess Leia says to Han Solo, if money is all you want, money shall be all you have or along those lines. And for me, when I sold my business and, you know, there's this moment and just to go there with me, Parker, for a second. Right. So you've done it. And then you figure out you need a brokerage account and then you scramble to do. I didn't even know that I needed that. And then and then you look at it and there's this huge seven figure number in there. I mean, huge for me. And. And you go. OK, I'm 42. <laughs> I'm there. I've done it. It's over. And then I joined a mastermind. And after I sold my business to Bill Gates, they asked me to come into their organization as a senior director for global entertainment. And I saw how bad the structure really is for people who are non-conforming. That everything that's built by the white men for the white men. And it only works for the white men. And it's not even working for the white men anymore either, because I'm not seeing millennials or Gen Z's being particularly happy in the existing structure. And I had this thought that I had the money. I had the knowledge. I certainly have the passion and the drive. So I had this, this idea that I needed to change the structure and help more people to succeed because I'm a woman, single mom, immigrant in a system that's not designed for me. And I made it. And I, I speak up. I'm fear. I mean, I'm, I'm not fearless, but I have a lot of courage to overcome my fear. And I was sitting in this mastermind and I shared my idea. And it's this mastermind of 100 people. There's two women. One is married to someone else in the mastermind. And then there's me. And I shared this idea and it was like you heard a pin drop in the room. And then afterward, my friend, whose name is Christian, came over and says, did you ever think about that God gave you this first success so you can, can do what you really came here to do, help more people to be more successful? And that was it. And I've been running with that ever since. So what drives me is not money. And I caution, I caution you all, please do not make money your God, because that is a horrible place to be. Because you may just get that. Make sure that the bigger idea is around community and impact and that your belief system says that the money follows the impact. But if the passion for the impact or the vision is not there, you might be like some of these people that are unhappy, depressed, commit suicide, question at the very top of their game on whether it's worth it because all they have is money. That, I think, is what, what is different about what I bring to what I teach, Parker is that I make sure people, people's passion is ignited and 
intricately connected to what it is that they're doing because it's the only way to sustain. Wow. Yeah. I know we're on a podcast and not in a, in like a theater, but I bet you could probably hear a pin drop too. (laughs) Uh, After that, that's, that's incredible, incredible insight, very moving, very inspirational, very upbeat, you know, just the perspective. Um, of not making money your God and rather having much bigger, bigger ideas behind that and the money will follow. I think that's really, really important. And it's something that I, you know, it resonates with me too. Cause I, I mean, I am not in a position yet where I can, where I can have all those resources and help all those people, but I still feel like I'm helping. Um, there's still like this, this calling of sorts to like want to help people from similar backgrounds. Um, and you're right. I think we're living in, in a time and in a system right now where basically any, well, especially younger people, but even like, you know, I look at my mom, um, she's struggling too. And, uh, grandparents and great grandparents, like they could just go get a job, go buy a house, move on with life, retire at 60, (laughs) you know? And, uh, for someone who's 20 years old, looking at their path ahead, they're like, yeah, that's, that's not going to happen for me. Not at all. So what do we do? You know? And I, I'm passionate about trying to help those people. So, um, it's, I love what you said about making it more about helping people and community rather than about money. Yes. Thank you. And um, that's probably the most important thing that I have learned because I've seen a lot of very successful people and I see a lot of very successful people really struggle because they don't, they failed, especially in internet marketing. Um, (laughs) A lot of internet marketing is about the quick bug and about driving the Lamborghini and not to say there's anything wrong with, with driving a fun car, but that's not what drives me. I, I couldn't care less. But what drives me is when I get, you know, and, 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 and I live on thank you notes. So if you hear something that you like, you better be emailing me or, or putting that on social media and said what Beata said really made an impact. It happens to me so often that five years later, 10 years later, someone comes to me and says, that finds me somewhere and says, if it wasn't for what you said, I wouldn't be where I was. And you go, what the heck did I say? <laughs> and I mean, I, what, what do I remember what I said five or 10 years ago? And they said it was in this course and this class and this thing and this interview. And there was this one thing that you said, and it never left me. And it, it, it prompted me to do something that Parker, that when I hear that, and I see somebody step into that and create a life in a community and, and live on their terms, that's worth everything. Everything. That's it. That's the reward. And the money follows. How can it not? Absolutely love it. Thanks so much for sharing. Um, Beate, I've got a last little segment that goes pretty quick where I ask some, uh, I guess more lighthearted questions and do a beatbox at the end. Um, we'll wrap up the interview that way, but before we move into that, um, quick segment, is there any, anything else pressing that you wanted to share, um, that I haven't asked about or anything? 
I think you covered just about everything and a lot more than what we had thought we were going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are the best interviews. Uh, I love it. I'm excited to to edit this one and get it out there for people to listen to. I'd imagine there's um, a few parts, at least, that are going to have that kind of impact, you know, touch someone and a couple of years later, maybe, or even right away, message you and be like, thanks for sharing that. Um it's been awesome. So thanks. Um, Beate, what makes you upbeat? Um, a lot of mindset work. The Really the constant daily reminders that the best way to create my future is to take control of it and not let anyone else di- dictate how I feel. Love it. Uh, who is your number one influence or inspiration? Uh, oh, that's a good question. I am really inspired by so many different people. Um, people that are stepping up to really people that are, are able to make an impact. I love Ruth Bader Ginsburg because she, she was able to as a woman to really make her impact in her very own unique way and doing a path entirely on her own. I probably admire a lot of the women that have, have paved the way Gloria Steinem, you know, as a, as an outspoken feminist, I get a lot of hate, um, especially on YouTube and for someone to go down a path where there's a lot of controversy or perceived controversy or assumptions is not easy. So I'm, I'm really inspired by women that have, have dared to make, make an impact, have dared to have an opinion that other people don't readily agree with. And I follow the same path. Awesome. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Um, what's your favorite word or do you have a favorite word? Right now, a favorite word. My favorite word is fabulous, actually. <laughs> so on, on every, on every uh, episode, on every whatever I do, I always say, hello, fabulous people. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, okay, favorite. This is the last one, but favorite social media platform um, and where you'd encourage people to connect with you. Um, my favorite social media platform, it used to be YouTube because before the algorithm just swallowed me, um, I will probably say right now, my favorite social media probably would right now be Facebook just because that's, um, you know, Instagram is in the buildings and LinkedIn, they're changing so much. It just gets like a whiplash, but yeah, um, on Facebook and just look me up and join the group entrepreneur forum. So it's a groups, the, uh, my entrepreneur forum, uh, and just join us and, uh, say hello, please don't be a stranger. Be fabulous. <laughs> there's the, there's fabulous right there. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much again for being on upbeat. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, do a beatbox with your name in it real quick. Beate Gillette. 
<laughs> that was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just have to take that clip and, uh, and, and play it. And, you know, like I have a clip on how to introduce me. <laughs> I think I'm going to replace it with that. <laughs> yeah, I've got a, um, I always record separately on a different software just because sometimes Zoom cuts in and out. And so I don't know if you got all of it, but. No, I didn't, um, unfortunately, no. Yeah, I recorded it here. So I'll, I'll edit it into a clip for you and send it your way. I'd love that. That would be a nice little, nice little thing. We'll, we'll put it out on a broadcast and share it with everybody uh, and promote your podcast. I think that would be fun. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. So there you have it. My interview with Beate Chalette. And of course, we'd both love to connect with you. You can find me at my website, parkerkane.co and Beate at her website, beatechalette.com. She's also got a tool for us to help us find our ideal clients and really find out who we're selling to, who we're advertising to. Uh, and so you can go to that website for the tool airtightavatar.com. It's airtightavatar.com. And that is from Beate to all of us to help us find our ideal clients. So definitely do that. If you enjoyed this episode or got value from it, then please share it with a friend and leave an upbeat review. Or if you're watching this on YouTube or on the website, leave us a comment. Let us know your favorite part. Let us know what you learned from this. Anything you'd like to share, we love the feedback. So definitely leave a comment where you can. That is always much appreciated. You're the best. I'll see you next week. This is Upbeat with beatboxer, musician, speaker, and show host, Parker K. Subscribe at parkerk.co.